In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners. Now, the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, and instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Granted by the same Spirit may be truly wise and may rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Jacinta, pray for us. St. Francisco, pray for us. all God's angels and saints, pray for us. in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good afternoon. Happy Father's Day. My father passed away uh, about almost eight years ago. And um, I have very fond memories of my father. I happen to have his name, and he happens to have the name of his father. So I'm actually the third. I'd like to just tell one story uh, in the life of my father, and then we'll move into the topic to honor Father's Day. Uh, my father worked in many places, but he spent, uh, I think, about 10 years working on Wall Street in New York City. And we lived in... Um, we lived in New York, and we lived in Bergen County, a place called Ridgewood. We lived there for seven years. So instead of having to drive over the George Washington Bridge, if you've ever been in New York, and avoiding a lot of traffic, he took a, uh, a train from Ridgewood to Hoboken. Kind of a weird name, Hoboken, no? And then he'd have to take one of the subways downtown. Any of you ever been in the, in the Big Apple, any of you? Yes. Okay, so maybe this language you're familiar with it. And there were a lot of different connections, so he took the, the train from Hoboken to the Big Apple downtown, and he'd take a subway connection. And um, it was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and uh, he was waiting for a subway. And it just seemed like... Is never going to arrive, and there was a lot, a lot of people there uh, on the um, on the platform. So uh, a subway arrived, and it it wasn't his, but a man rushed in, almost knocked him down. That's the way New Yorkers are; they're very quick, you know. And my dad put his he put his he put his hand into his pocket. No wallet. Yeah, no but, but he saw the guy. So he grabbed onto the guy, onto his shirt, and tried to pull him out because you don't have your wallet, you don't have your documents. So he tried to pull the guy out, but the doors closed, and he ripped half the guy's shirt off. But he didn't, he didn't get his wallet back. So finally his, uh, his subway arrived. He got in. 
He had didn't have his wallet, but he had the half of the half of the shirt of this guy, no? <laughs> so he took the subway downtown, got off, got in the elevator, went in his office, and this was probably about fifty years ago. We didn't have cell phones. He got on the phone, he called my mom. He said, Joan, you'll never guess what happened downtown today. She said, I don't know what happened, but you left your wallet at home. So needless to say, he took a different connection in the subway for the next month. For fear. Can you imagine that man arriving home telling his wife, I only got one half of my shirt, a crazy guy ripped the other part off. <laughs> that became such a classic that when my brother told his companions at Dartmouth, they actually made a little play out of it. No, can you imagine that? <laughs> so, how did the first good week go? How did it go? How did it go? Great. So, keep up the good work. Okay, Keep up the good work. So, just to refresh your memory, where we're heading is... Um, your meditations, I, I give you a lot of options. Okay? Different than the spiritual exercise program where you just basically you are going to make your holy hour. Okay? And hopefully as early as possible. But this one I suggested that you, you, you meditate upon that by yourself and then you, you spend time with your family reading through it. Which you're... You're reading, you're praying, you're reading, you're thinking, then you're commenting on it. Okay? It's a different style. It's, it's lecture, divina, meditation, and catechesis. I'm killing three birds with one stone. At least that's my intention. Uh, if it's done well, it should really help your family to bond, to talk about God, to be able to open up the door to dialogue, so if it's done well, not perfectly, but if it's done well, it could well, a lot of graces should flow from this. So try to be generous. We're just entering into it. And it's a five-week program. So try to be generous with God. Try to be generous with God. Now, next week, okay, next week we have to skip next week because... Two days ago, we had a newly ordained priest who was with us for seven months. So next week, there's going to be um, a reception for him after the 12 o'clock Mass, and that will occupy this and the other adjacent buildings or, or rooms. So we'll be giving you two weeks' material today in your group. Okay? So if you show up next week and forget about that, you can have a free meal, huh? You have a free meal, okay? So, two weeks. I'm going to be giving you two weeks of material.
Okay, so what I'm going to try to cover today is the following. Okay, the first week, you're basically meditating upon Jacinta Francisco, and you're meditating upon the apparitions that they had in 1916, right? In which Jacinta and Francisco, they had an encounter with the angel that taught them how to pray, taught them the posture of prayer, taught them several prayers. And the third apparition was extraordinary because the little children, they meet the angel with the host in the chalice suspended in the air. And the angel bows down and teaches them a beautiful prayer. And that's one of the prayers you're saying every day. It's a prayer of adoration, of reparation, and it's a Eucharistic prayer. So that's a beautiful prayer. You want to prepare yourself for Mass and make a good Thanksgiving? You can utilize that with your children, right? You want to prepare yourself for Mass? What better prayer than that? Taught by the angel to these little children. And how these uh, meditations can help you to go deeper in your own sacramental life. You go to Mass, you receive communion. This is going to help you make better communions, more fervent communions. So, that would be like a summary of uh, our first week. So, I'm going to try to cover today, because we have uh, basically two weeks to cover. Um, I was thinking of two different things. I, I wrote down a, a, a lot of ideas on the rosary, the origin of the rosary, how to pray it, the miracles that come. But I'll probably hold that off to a little bit later. So what I'll do today is I'd like to go through the uh, Marian apparitions. So I'll try to be as, as succinct as possible. Okay, we ready? So, we go from 1916 to 1917. This is the time of the First World War, when you actually have what's called the Bolshevik Revolution, breaking out in Russia, which our lady says that Russia will spread her errors throughout the whole world. So, there's a good, very interesting historical note. And as a result of that, we have communism spread throughout the world today, right? Whether we like it or not, Russia, right? North Korea, North Vietnam, Cuba is infiltrating itself in the United States in some areas, right? So communism, a lady made that prophecy that Russia would spread her errors throughout the whole world. Our lady didn't say communism, but that's what she was alluding to the spread of the, the errors of communism. So, 1917, these shepherd children, Jacinta, Francisco, Lucia, they're watching over their, their sheep and now Our Lady appears to them. Now, uh, Father Greg Staub, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago, he was with us for several years, he made this uh, observation. When the angel appeared, the children were exhausted. But when Our Lady appeared, they were filled with energy. It's an interesting point, isn't it? Very interesting, isn't it? 
is that the angel, they were exhausted after the apparition. When Mary appeared, it's almost as if they were revitalized by Mary's presence. What does that mean? Mary is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. You ever feel tired? Go to Mary. You feel exhausted? Go to Mary. You feel enervated? Go to Mary. You feel as if your energy is being sapped? Go to Mary. It's like your phone, which is about zero or one. You can recharge it through Mary and devotion. Amen? Amen. You get a phone, you look, oh, it's, all, it's only got 3% left. You better, I better recharge it, okay? So Mary can recharge our spiritual batteries. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Okay, so uh, each of these apparitions, I'm going to give you just one idea. And then we'll allow you to meditate upon the, uh, the all the words and the whole message. Just give you one idea for the apparitions. So she's going to appear six times. Okay, she's appear on uh, the 13th. By the way, is 13, is that a, a number of bad luck? So if you go to New York, the the big buildings, you go from the 12th to the 14th floor, right? You know, um, if you want to get me angry, say, good luck, Father. Okay? And I will, I will rebuke you. Don't force me to break the first commandment, you know. You know why? Because... Good luck doesn't exist. There's no such thing as good luck. You can carry all the good, the good luck charms in your wallet, your purse as you want. It's not worth a hill of beans, huh? We don't believe in good luck. We believe in divine providence. Amen? Amen. Remember that. No such thing as luck. Jesus says he knows how many hairs you have on your head. Did you ever count them? Father Al Hall was with us several years. He was bald. <laughs> he was down. He was downtown Rome once, and one of the uh, he worked with the the poor of, of Mother Teresa. And, and one guy said, "Father Al, do you know why people, you know why men lose their hair? Do you know why?" And he said, "I don't know why." He said, "If you in the front, because they think too much." In the back, because they work too much. If they lose in the front and the back, it's because they think they work too much. <laughs> Got that? Okay. So, Our Lady purposely appeared on 13th, I believe, to explode the whole idea that there's such thing as bad luck numbers. Now, she could have chosen the 14th, right? Or the 12th. But she chose the 13th. So, if you have some traces of superstition, get rid of it. Okay? You'd be surprised how many people go to these Spanish curanderos, adivinos, these psychic readers. You'd be surprised. 
Almost every town in L.A. has got one or two. There's a psychic reader there right across the street from, from McDonald's. You ever notice that? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, there, it's been there for 30 years. That means they've got business, huh? So, uh, superstition, get that out of your life. But rather, trust. Trust in divine providence. Nothing happens by chance. How many of you have done the spiritual exercises program? Okay, almost all of you. So when I go through these six months, just pulling out a tidbit, see how these six apparitions are in perfect harmony with the last things. The reality of death, judgment, heaven, hell, and eternity. So just be aware of that when you're going through these meditations. The reality of death, judgment, heaven, hell, and the reality of eternity. Purgatory also. Okay, let's take one idea from the apparitions, May. A lady asked the children, are they willing to pray and are they willing to sacrifice as well as to suffer? And they say yes. Are you willing to pray to offer sacrifices and to suffer for God? So make a connection with your own life. Are you willing, through this program, to go deeper and deeper in your prayer life? Are you? Are you willing to offer up certain sacrifices to Jesus through Mary? Okay. Are you ready? Are you willing to suffer? Mm-hmm. Hello? Yes. Well, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's a tough one, right? I think we all struggle with suffering, don't we? You know, the suffering can be physical and could be emotional. It can be moral. It can be many different ramifications or facets of suffering. You could pray this. Lord, I willingly accept the sufferings that you send to me. But you could actually say, I'm not ready for any more yet. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I suffer a lot and I think you do also, no? There's nothing wrong with saying, okay, Lord... My cross is heavy. My cross is heavy. Okay, Lord, help me with this cross. You don't have to be asking for more suffering. 
Now, if you're a victim soul, okay, you're going to be asking that the Lord suffer, send you more suffering. But you may not call to be a victim soul, at least right now. But the suffering that God sends to you, it's a, it's a good idea to recognize God has sent that suffering to you for your sanctification as well as for the sanctification of your family, your family members, as well as for the sanctification of the church, as well as for the sanctification of the whole world. Okay, one last point on the suffering. Try not to waste your suffering. Try not to waste it. But rather, recognize you do have suffering. United to the cross. And then, united to the cross, planted right there in the altar in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. That's where your suffering is going to have infinite value. Recognizing it, okay, recognizing, accepting it. Placing it on the cross and planting it right there on the altar. Your suffering could end up by saving so many souls. You hear me? But if if not, if not, your suffering can either make us better or bitter. You become angry. And you say, Why me? I don't deserve that. Remember the first year when I was in the university, I had a course on comparative religions at Villanova. And I remember studying Hinduism and Buddhism and Taoism and Shintoism okay? and Zoroastrianism, Sikhism. I have a pretty good memory. I remember studying all these different uh, religions and Judaism and Hinduism and Protestantism. One thing that really jumped out at me is only the Catholic faith gives a positive meaning behind suffering. Very interesting. And I mentioned, I mentioned a lot of these are the big world religions. Only the Catholic Church gives a positive meaning to suffering. Suffering is neither good nor bad. It depends on what we do with the suffering. So these little children, they don't have degrees in theology, huh? But they they under they understood the value of suffering. So in the May 13th apparition, Our Lady says, "Are you are you willing to pray? You're willing to offer up sacrifices." And the lady's going to go on to say this. There are souls, there are souls that will be lost for all eternity because we don't pray and offer up sacrifices, unite our suffering for them. That's our lady. And a personal note for all of you. Um, 
most of you most most of you are suffering because your children or relatives or someone in your family is not where he or should she should be, right? Is that true? All of you are suffering a lot and perhaps for years because you have a son or daughter or husband or wife, whoever it might be, who was brought up and raised as a Catholic. But they've given up the practice of faith and you've invited them to come back. You've done so many things to bring them back but still they're hardened in their position to not, not to make any step to coming back to the practice of the faith. I honestly believe and hope that your prayer and your suffering and your living out this program will end up by saving their souls. I believe it. Do you? Yes. I believe it. Now, you, okay, you, 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 might be, you might be dead and buried for 25 years. Okay? And then your daughter, I mean, you're dead and buried for 25 years. Your daughter is 89 years old. She's dying. And because of your suffering, God sent her to grace to say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. She's saved. Purgatory for 500 years, but she's saved. <laughs> but she's saved, no? If you make a perfect, a perfect death of contrition, you're back in the state of grace. Did you know that? Perfect act of contrition. You know what that is? J- Jesus, forgive me, I love you. That's a perfect act of contrition. If you mean it, you go from sin to the state of grace. Your prayers in living this out could be instrumental moving them from that state of rejection to God and begging His mercy and giving yourself back to Him through love. And that can that can be one of your prayers in this week. I'm I'm paving the way, okay? I'm paving the way. I'm opening up the door. But that can be your prayer. That can be your prayer. One of the what? Well, it's a great grace of the nine of us. Only one doesn't practice the faith. That's huge. You know, one out of nine, that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? But I believe that lost sheep, I think, I really believe he's going to be saved. Will I see it? Maybe not. But I believe through prayer and penance and patience and offering of oneself and masses, God's working. Not in the way that I can see it. It's like the seed that's planted that's growing and you're not even aware of it, but the but the seed is plant is starting to grow. So I really believe if you live out this program, it's just a program filled with hope. It is. It's going to buoy up your hope, which is one of the virtues that's weakest today. There's a lot of people are losing hope. A lot of people are losing hope. This can buoy up your hope. Okay, so that's just one idea, the May 13th. Okay, June, 
June is Lucy. Lucy is the spokesperson. You probably know that, okay? She's the one that speaks, and then she she's the one that enters into dialogue with the Blessed Mother. But you're called to be the Lucy. Talk to Mary. Dialogue with Mary. Converse with Mary. Open up your heart to Mary. Unload to Mary. Tell her everything that's going on in your life. Just tell her. She wants you to. Now, Lucia asked her this question, are we going to go to heaven? Is that an important question? Here's a prayer for you. Prayer for you. Lord, I beg you, help me to get to heaven. Did you hear me? Great prayer. I prayed it this morning in my holy hour. <laughs> I pray that prayer often. I bet there are people here that you've never prayed that prayer yet. Lord, Lord, help me to get to heaven. Can you maybe add this? Help my children to get to heaven. Pray with all the fervor of your heart. God will hear you. Ask and you'll receive. Seek. You'll find. Knock on the door will be open. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be open. Do you believe? Faith can move the mountains. Remember that movie, Little Boy? Ever see the movie, Little Boy? Faith can move the mountains. Faith can move the mountains. If we, if we have the faith the size of a mustard seed, we could tell the mountains be moved and they'll be transported into the depths of the sea. For faith is as big as a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed. Lucia asked that question. Will we go to heaven? And a lady responds. The very interesting response. She says, Yes, you will. So will Jacinta. Yes, will Francisco also, but he has to pray a lot of rosaries. You know that? She said that, yeah. And maybe a lady saying, okay, you're going to be saved too, but you have to pray even more roses than Francisco. Got to pray a lot of rosaries. So as Lucia had this longing to go to heaven, we should have a real longing to go to heaven. Really, the greatest desire of your life should be, Lord, I want to go to heaven. And I want to bring my family with me. Okay, when you're with your kids, you know, ask your kids, what, is, what do you think heaven is like? Talk about heaven. I think that'd be a, a great family conversation. Spend your family conversation. Let's talk about heaven. I honestly believe we do not reflect enough about heaven. 
We don't. And if we really reflect upon heaven, that's our eternal destiny. The saints will say, we could carry the heaviest crosses if we really believe, if we can carry that cross patiently, patiently we're going to get to heaven. The heaviest cross that can be, can be carried. St. Paul says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the mind of man the wonderful things that God has prepared for those that love him. Think about the happiest day in your life. The happiest hour in your life. The happiest moment in your life. Okay, got it? Multiply that, multiply that a thousand times and extend that to all eternity. You have a mere glimpse of what heaven is like. Okay, the happiest day, happiest, hour, happiest moment in your life, got it? Okay, magnify that a thousand times and forever and ever and ever. You have a mere glimpse, a mere glimpse of what heaven is like. On a personal note, it, for me it was May 25th, 1986. It was Trinity Sunday. And it was from 9 to 12. And about 10.30 that morning, I knelt down and I had a bishop place his hands on my, on my head. It happened to be the bishop of Rome. His name is John Paul II. You ever hear of him? <laughs> he placed his hands on my head. I've got holy hair. <laughs> a little bit less. i got holy hair. That was the happiest moment in my life when John Paul II placed his hands on me and I got up as a baby priest. Wow. Happiest day, moment, hour in my life when I was ordained a priest. Yeah. 37 years ago. Wow. I was ordained one day after Bishop Bar Robert Barron. Yeah. He was ordained May 24th, 86. I was 25th. Yeah. But just the, just the thought of that fills me with joy. Okay, um, I'll, I'll give one that's going to hit home. Okay, how, how, many, how many mothers here? Okay, do you remember when, okay, after your baby was born... The first time your first child smiled at you, remember that? Was that a happy moment? Probably the happiest moment in your life. Right? Yes. So multiply that a thousand times and forever and ever and ever. Imagine God smiling at you in heaven. We have to use human analogies to connect this with the divine, right?
So that's that's June 13th, okay? She asks, Lucy, are we going to go to heaven? Yes, your little cousins will go to heaven. Francis got to pray a lot of rosaries, don't forget. And you'll spend some more time. Lucia's going to spend a little bit more time. You know when she's going to die? 13th of February 2005. She's going to be close to 100 years old. Now she's a servant of God. The other two were canonized saints. All right. From June to July. Okay, buckle your seatbelts now. Are you ready? July 13th is the day in which Our Lady appears to the children and she shows them a graphic, a graphic vision of hell. In modern liberal theology or catechesis says, don't talk to children about hell. We have a word from New York. We call that baloney. <laughs> Another work from New York, hogwash, malarkey. Let me use my New York language, okay? <laughs> On the contrary, talking to children about hell can be very useful. And what was it like? You're going to be you're going to be meditating upon it. The ground opened up, and they could see it's like a, a lake of fire, in which. The children could see the fire, but also could see the souls of those who were actually condemned to hell. And the soul, the souls, uh, the souls um, were floating around, floating around with an equilibrium. The best analogy I can give is: Did you ever get a helium balloon? Maybe at the fair, a helium balloon. And there's a lot of wind, okay, kind of like that. The helium boom, okay, is being blown by the wind. There's no, no, no anchoring, no equilibrium. Now some of the souls were transparent. Others were were bronze. Others were brown. Others were darker, and still others were pitch black. Perhaps in indicating the time that those souls were present there. And then they could be seen these, these hideous animals. And these animals were transpiercing these transparent souls. And the hideous animals were, were actually the devils. The devils were were torturing these souls. 
So that would be utilizing the Ignatian contemplation dynamic. That would be the, the application of the senses. There you have the, the seeing it. But then you can imagine, what did, what, what did they hear? They could hear these, these cries of despair. These horrific cries of, cries of despair. And the children saw this. And they said, if Our Lady were not there, they would have died of fear. They would have died. Meditate upon that. It's, it's Our Lady herself that are bringing these children to this abyss. And she's commanding them, commanding them, look down. This is Our Lady. Why is Our Lady showing them this vision of hell? One reason, love. Love for the salvation of immortal souls. And from that moment on, okay, the children up to this point, they're good kids. From that moment on, these children lived lives of heroic virtue. That's another way of saying they lived like saints the rest of their lives. So those who say, don't talk to children about hell, they're going to have to, they'll have a trauma, they'll have to get some psychological treatment, overcome their depression. Baloney! Hogwash! The vision of hell is what converted the children. These are good kids. Now this is up this is up to your discernment now. Maybe you have some relatives and friends. Maybe you can talk to them about hell. Invite me. I'd love to do it. Invite me. I'm not bashful. Well, with my literary background, studying Dante, I'll, I will wax eloquent when you talk about hell. Wax very eloquent. <laughs> These children, they see this graphic vision of hell. They're converted. And they cannot they cannot offer up enough sacrifices to save souls from the fiery pit of hell. Let me tell you um an interesting story related to this topic. Most of you have heard of uh, Patrick Madrid. I think Patrick Madrid is one of the most eloquent, persuasive lay apologists I've ever heard. One occasion I listened to him and he said 
that um, in his family there was one of the relative, one of his sisters that was not practicing the faith. She had chosen the wrong path. So, as a Christmas gift, he bought a book. It's called The Dogma of Hell by Shoup. S-C-H-O-U-P-E-S-J. Ten publishers. Okay, The Dogma of Hell by Shoup. I've got some in my confessional if you want me to give you hell. (laughs) So he wrapped up, he wrapped up the book, The Dogma of Hell. He gave it to all the members in his family as a Christmas gift. As a Christmas gift. Now when that sister opened up the book that had chosen the wrong path, he said that she got very, very angry at him. Okay, very, very angry because she knew that that was directed at her more than the other siblings. She knew it. You know what happened though? She opened it up and she read the book and guess what happened? I'll use some more New York plan. It scared the hell out of her. Okay? She read through it and she was converted because of reading that book. And she got back to the straight and narrow path. Should you do that to some of your relatives? It's up to your discernment. Because if you've been nice and mercy in this, you you might have to give them that. Maybe that's the only thing that's going to work. You can say, okay, you're far away from God. I, I just like you to read where you're going to end up. You might, as well, you might as well get ready now. Well, you read it, it's scary. It is. Have any of you read it? Yeah. Even you read a couple of chapters, I mean, it's, uh, it's like a development of the message of Fatima. Okay? But in graphic detail. But even as a child, I've always been captivated by the fact that a lady shows to these three little shepherd children a graphic vision of hell. And consequently, they're converted. They're converted. Listen. You know the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is fear of the Lord. And fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. St. Thomas Aquinas, the great angelic doctor of the church, says that the greatest gift is wisdom, which perfects charity. But the first one in operation is fear of the Lord. The greatest is wisdom, perfects charity. Charity is the greatest of all virtues. But the first one in operation should be fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. So perhaps as a result of this course, now and then in your conversation, you can talk about the reality of hell. 
as an act of love so that your loved ones will not end up in hell. Prevent the medicine. Prevent the medicine. It's interesting that uh, of all the topics that Jesus speaks about, Jesus talking about hell is uh, almost the top. He talks about heaven. But Jesus either implicitly or explicitly talks about hell, right? You don't believe me? Matthew chapter 25, Luke chapter 16, Matthew chapter 5. These are all verses where Jesus speaks very clearly about the reality of hell. I was hungry, you didn't give me to eat. Parable of Lazarus and the rich one, remember that? If your eye is a source of occasion, pluck it out. And your hand and your foot. Better to have one eye, one foot, than enter into the hellfire where the worm dies now. I mean, this is not the this is not Father Broom. This is Jesus Christ. This is our Lady of Fatima. So I think it's uh, we have to we can't be cafeteria Catholics. You know what that is? You can't be cafeteria Catholics where you pick and choose what you like according to your spiritual taste buds. And you can't be selective. You can't be selective Catholics. Pick and choose. We have to accept the fullness, the totality of our Catholic faith. Hell is a tough dogma, but it exists. In the spiritual exercise program that you've done with me, I've made the photocopy of the vision of hell of St. Faustina and the different repercussions and punishments that come. This is Faustina. 714, if you want the number of the Diary of St. Faustina. It is interesting that she said she noticed those who were in hell were those who denied hell. Those who denied hell were the ones that ended up there. So, um, enough of hell for today, okay? (laughs) Happy Father's Day. But really, honestly, talking about hell is a great act of love. It really is. It's not we're we're being mean-spirited, but rather it's an act of love. By talking about it, our hope is that we won't go there and our loved ones will not go there. So that's that's the the July 13th vision. What about August? A lot of people go to the Kova Dairia, where the apparitions are taking place, but August 13th, the children are not there because they're in jail. Not because they're caught for speeding. Did you know that they? It was on August 19th that she appeared because August 13th they were in jail. 
The reason being is that the local authorities recognize that more and more people are going there and also there in Portugal as well as in Europe there was a very strong anti-clericalism and anti-Catholic sentiment. Just to give you some some context, you've heard of Colby, okay? Maximilian Colby. He's going to be going to Europe fighting against what is called Masonism, the Masons. So you had the Masons there. If you've been from Mexico, you got the Cristeros, but also you got the the Mason, Masonic government with Obregón and Calles no? in Mexico. So let's uh, l- l- let's talk briefly about what goes what goes on there in prison. Now, with respect to these children, all that we're going to be reading about these children, I think there in prison is you see the most noble character of these children, of all that they're going to do. So the the authorities say that they have to deny they have they have to deny that they saw that lady. They have to deny it. And the three are intransigent in saying we're not going to deny it because we can't lie. Now, one of the greatest sufferings of Lucia was that her mother didn't believe her. Of all the sufferings of that little girl, by far, that's obviously it would have been the greatest suffering. The mother was basically calling her daughter a liar. Can you imagine that? How much she must have suffered. Now, Jacinta and Francisco is different. Why? Jacinta and Francisco are their father said this, the reason. These my children, they never lied. They were taught to tell the truth. So if my children, Jacinta and Francisco, never lied, why would they be concocting and fabricating this lie now? So the father of of those two little ones was the biggest defender of the of the little kids. Why are they gonna lie? But Lucia, the mother wouldn't, Maria Rose wouldn't believe her. What a, what a tough, tough suffering that must have been. God purposely wanted Lucia to suffer that. And she offered it up. So there they are. They're being interrogated by the local authorities. The local authorities are trying to get them to deny the fact that they saw this woman. And every time, every 13th that arrives, more and more people are are arriving. So the numbers are growing. So this was the acid test. The authorities said, if 
you do not deny that vision, you'll be put to death. In what way? They said, behind that door, there is a boiling pot of oil, a cauldron, okay? a boiling pot of oil that's ready for the three of you. If you do not deny, deny that, you're going to be thrown into that. You're going to be burnt to a crisp. What do you think most children would do? You know, a few teenager children. What, what were you? Oh, I, I didn't see it. You probably say that. Be honest. We as adults, no, no, I think I had an optical illusion. Let me go. It was a mirage, huh? I think most of us probably would capitulate. I think we would. No, Father, I'm a born martyr. I'm just living with my husband. Okay. okay. And these children, never once did they waver. They never once wavered. They were very firm. We're not going to deny the truth. So, one of them was pulled in and the other two could hear the screaming. Then another one was dragged in, screaming again. And finally, the third, I think it was Lucia, was dragged in there the third time and she saw her two little cousins that were alive. Now, of all, all of the, the happenings, I think that that was the greatest. They were willing to be burnt alive in a cauldron of burning oil so as not to tell a lie. In a certain sense, they, they deserve the palm of martyrdom. They're not canonized as martyrs, but... They deserve the palm of martyrdom because they were willing to be burnt to a crisp rather than to tell a lie. When you, do, you deal with some children that are liars, tell them that story. And they're not going to get off the hook with that baby, huh? How admirable these children are that they're willing to suffer so much so as to so as to show their faithfulness to God and their willingness always to tell the truth. Finally, they're led, they're led out of the prison there. They're in prison. Okay, they're in prison. They're thrown in jail with, the, jail with these hardened criminals. And they're evangelizing the prisoners when they're thrown in jail. They're evangelizing the hardened criminals. No matter where we go, my friends, we can always be preaching the Word of God. Amen? Amen. St. Paul says the Word of God cannot be chained, can it? 
You can't change the Word of God. So that's August 13th. So August 19th, there's another apparition. Then there's September 13th, another apparition. Now Our Lady, Our, Our Lady has not revealed her identity yet. But she's promised, she's promised that there will be a great miracle. And because of what happened August 13th, the miracle was less. It would have been even more... St- this is one of the most stupendous miracles in the history of approved private revelations. It would have been even greater. But each time she appears, more and more people are coming. And she promises that on October... That will be the great miracle. Each one of these apparitions, however, there are differences in the six apparitions, but every apparition, she, she asks the same thing. Our Lady of Guadalupe, she said, No soy yo tu madre. Am I not your mother? Our Lady of Lourdes, what did she say? She says, I am, do you know what? The Immaculate Conception. Je suis l'Immaculate Conception. I am the Immaculate Conception. But Our Lady Fatima reveals herself as Our Lady of the Rosary. So every one of those apparitions, Our Lady insists that we pray the rosary. So part and parcel of the message of Fatima is the rosary. So we hope and we pray that all of you will pray the rosary, love the rosary, get your family to to love the rosary, recognizing that the, the family that prays together stays together. So I'd like to leave it at that. I haven't had enough time to go through October 13th. And that's the apparition in which you have the miracle of the sun and many other things. And I'll leave that for your own personal meditation. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, and for our sinners, now and the hour of our death. Glory be to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You say it for a minute? Yeah.